it would take too long to tell you about our 18 grandchildren. Um, but thank you, brother. When was the last time you guys saw this? It's been a while. Well, just keep in mind, they've done it for 4,000 years. Use a pulpit of wood. Uh, that's okay. Well, it's a privilege and an honor to be back at Fellowship uh, over all these years. I can't think of any churches that I uh, really love more than you guys. It's been awesome since back in the early 80s to have regular contact with you. And I'm grateful for the privilege of being here this morning. And actually, from the first moment that uh, the invitation came to me, to come to this, and I heard what you were doing uh, as a church while Tim was on his sabbatical, uh, focusing on missions. Almost immediately, I feel like the Lord put on my heart what I believe I'm supposed to share with you. And it is really more of an exhortation, and it's what the Lord's, I, I hear him saying this to, to people in so many churches, especially in our day when the need is so great. The urgency of the hour seems to be just in, incendiary. Don't you sense it? On every side, things are becoming more vital and critical, and uh, God wants to encourage us to really uh, lay hold of what he's saying to the churches. And we sang about it. I plead the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, be thou my vision. Let me realize what you're saying. This is, this is the, the lap that the church is running that may be the last lap. Who knows? He may, he may tarry. But it certainly seems as if there's an urgent need for the church to really listen and hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I want to talk this morning, really, uh, about what is the greatest privilege that God gives to any Christian or child of God while they're on the planet. The greatest privilege that we have, what is that? I mean, if you were to go to Erlanger Hospital and pray for a dead person to be raised from the dead physically, and God answered that, and up they came, that would create no small stir, correct? But what we're going to cover this morning is a greater miracle and a greater privilege than even raising the dead physically. And that is that he has given to us the privilege of, as we sang, sharing the Lord Jesus with people who are around us every day and seeing them come to saving faith and receive eternal life in the Lord Jesus. They have what they need. Well, let's pray together as we look in, in a moment in the book. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being here with this church. Lord, I want to just thank you for the way you've used them in so many ways with so many people over all these years that I've been privileged to watch and see them. And I pray that you will uh, bring these weeks of mission emphasis together in our hearts uh, this morning and show us what our privilege and also great responsibility really is. Uh, help us, Lord, to really understand that. And uh, we ask you for your anointing to rest on your truth so that we might obey you and honor you in every way. Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you consider this, that worldwide, there's approximately, now these figures could vary depending on who takes them. Say there's 50 thousand missionaries from about 460 known denominations. And those people reach by tabulation maybe two to three million people a year. And I put reach in quotes because that's different for each group how they reach people. But that's a broad look at it. Uh, 460 denominations, about two to three million people. And, and that's worth celebrating. But the thing we've got to understand is that to uh, keep up with the growth of the world's population, we have to see 62 million a year come to Christ. Otherwise, we're falling behind, just like we are in our country. The major denominations in our country feel dismally sad about the fact that the baptisms are way down, the lowest in maybe 60 years. 
unless we have a spontaneous baptism where we talk people into getting baptized at that moment for some reason or another. But baptisms that flow out of new life in Christ that happen spontaneously and real conversions are down. And North America is on the most rapid decline of any nation on the planet of true Christianity within. It's a shocking thing. Teaching and preaching the gospel won't reach the world, at least the way we've been doing it. And we've got to take inventory and understand what's happening, especially as you're emphasizing missions, you see. Uh, the Lord wants us to realize 150,000 people every day die on the planet. That's about a figure too. And 7,000 people every hour. And many and most of them probably go into a Christless eternity. And you and I were left here when the Lord saved us. If you're here today and you're a Christian, the Lord left you here with a glorious purpose. He, if he didn't have something for you to do that was passion on his heart, would have drowned you at baptism. Because to be with Christ is far better and to die is gain. But he left you here and left me here with the privilege of high adventure and also fellowship with him in his sufferings and walk with him in the beauty of who he is and be salt and light as was sung this morning. These are perilous days and God's given you and I a stewardship. In, the God, in Thessalonians, it says these words, I'll just quote them for you, which says, as we were allowed of God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing man, but God who tests or tries our hearts. And so I want to share this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ in this critical, his church at this most critical hour must have a new mindset, a new heart mentality come because it is the pressing need of the hour that the church recover the vision in the Lord of his passion and what makes him weep and what makes him have joy and that we've been entrusted with this call to, to preach the word of God personally to your neighbor, to the people you work with, to the people that God has placed in your life. Just think of this. If God can feed all the algae in the sea and all the little sand crabs under the ocean all at the same time and all the birds, if he can arrange for all that to be perfect and kept up in an amazing way, it boggles my mind to even think about it. Think how he can order your steps and stops and lead you every day as his Christ follower to a person that he's orchestrated to bring your way, that you can be attentive enough and listen enough to share your testimony and the word of God as to how they also may come to be more than raised from the dead, but be raised to a new life in Christ. There's a verse in Matthew 10 that says, as you go, preach, saying, and that word is full. Matthew 10, 7 says, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means as you go to work, as you go to leisure, as you go down to the store, as you go, be ready, be willing. In season, when it looks obvious and everything's great, and out of season, when it looks like they'll eat your lunch if you share. You got to be listening. You got to be ready, you see. Uh, we haven't done this. It's statistic. Zondervan did a, a, a study and they found that less than 1% of the evangelical church in America is sharing the gospel during the week. Zondervan did that, and I don't know how trustworthy their poll is. Christianity did one where they said that less than, 90, less than 5% of the Christians in America have ever personally led a person to Christ. We have gone on mission trips. We've paid for all kinds of things, and, just, and all that's good. We're not minimizing that at all. It, it ought to be so. We've been overseas to help folks, and uh, we've, we've helped other people reach folks, but so many people aren't doing this, being available to the Lord. It's not an education problem. It's certainly not an energy, uh, 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 an economic problem. It's not even uh, an understanding problem. For the truth we've got to face is it might be a heart problem for us. That we, the reason we're not seeing many people sent out as missionaries out there is because they don't have that burden here. And uh, it's got to change, you see. There are thousands who pray for missions and who give to missions who won't cross the street to tell their neighbor that Jesus loves them and died for them, that they can have 
new life in Christ. You know, this ought to grip us that it takes more courage to speak to one person, perhaps face to face, it takes more courage uh, about the Lord Jesus personally than it does to stand before a congregation of 2,000 or more or less and rebuke them from the Word of God. It takes more courage to talk to someone one-on-one about the Lord Jesus. Personal soul winning is the greatest privilege and work that the Lord has for us to do on this planet. And the greatest preaching on the earth is to an individual or to a little small group. Of the 112 times that the word preach is used in the New Testament, only six of them are referring to the uh, bigger context like Peter at Pentecost, the big meetings. The rest of them were like one-on-one or one-on-two. The Lord Jesus himself, 35 times in the Gospels, he spoke to individuals. And it was his favorite thing. It was his passion. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. That's in John chapter 4. You see this, he, you, you hear his words when he says, we must need go through Samaria. Now the Jews just didn't do that normally, but he had a divine appointment his father had for him. This appointment was a little woman at the well. You know the story and how he came and he shared with her. He, he approached her on a human level and they talked and, and she began to understand that this is the Messiah. He knows all about me. And he said, I am he. And you remember how she was so, she was brought to him with power and with glory. And this is why he had to go through Samaria. And she left everything and ran into town and he, uh, he, he, He looked up and saw all the people coming. In John chapter 4, I want to read that to you. I told the gentleman upstairs I was going to go to Luke 5 first, but I've changed it to John 4. Uh, Sorry about that, my brother. But uh, he, he... the disciples came back. They'd been to the grocery store, and they saw the Lord Jesus after he had led this woman to himself. And... uh, Uh, she was saying, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Is this not the Messiah? She was totally changed forever. And so uh, as the disciples came back, they saw him talk, had been talking to this woman. And Jesus says to them, uh, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Don't say this, that there are four months left, then comes harvest. He's saying, this Aren't you saying this? There's four months till urgent times. There's four months till harvest. He says, isn't this what you're saying? He says, but listen, I'm saying to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields because they're white already for harvest. And he that reaps receives wages. And he that gathers, and he gathers fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth And he that reapeth might rejoice together. And herein is that saying fulfilled that one sows and another reaps. I'm sending you out, he says, to reap that where other labor, where you didn't bestow any labor, other men labored and you're entering into their labors. We're a body. One man sows, another man cultivates, another woman reaps. But I remember being in Australia and hearing David Cummings Right before I was to speak, they had a missions moment, but it was like a missions Gibraltar. He said these words, I want to talk to you about the forgotten element of the harvest. We talk about uh, sowing and cultivating and reaping, but I want to talk to you about plowing. And I just was astounded because I'd forgotten all about what it takes to go into a country where there's no welcome and you plow the hard ground. And you see, but it's a body. One man does this and another does the next and we work in sync to sync that the Lord puts us in a sink where we work together. I've watched fellowship do this for years. I've admired the way that you've gone out and put things on people's doorknobs, telling them gospel literature. I've seen you pray. I've seen missions conferences when other people let them go down. But I want to ask you this morning, are you personally taking the responsibility to say from the Lord, Lord, I want to belong to you in such a way that you can use me with my neighbors. I want to not just be available and and just say, but I want to be passionately proactive. I don't want to be making, uh, looking for reasons not to. I want to be longing for doors to walk through. I want to do a little survey in here. 
If you were to think back on your life when you came to the Lord, how many of you uh, turned on the television and you heard the gospel message? And after you heard that gospel message, you, uh, you prayed and you received the Lord Jesus and you were saved. Would you participate in this? If that was yours on the TV, would you hold your hand up? Anybody in here like that? Uh, praise the Lord. There's one back there. Anybody else? Don't be shy. This is important. There's, I, I see three hands that, that watched the television, heard the gospel. Maybe it was a Billy Graham something. Well, then let's change to the radio. How many of you in here? I mean, those three just now. How many of you heard the gospel on the radio and you then uh, believed on the Lord and you were saved after that? Can I see your hands? Well, there's nobody really here that's raising their hand. How about the internet? That you went on the internet, and when you saw something, and you heard something there, and you were convicted, and you trusted the Lord, and you were saved. Can I see your hands? Look, look, look around. There's no hands. How many of you one day felt your need, and you said, I need to know God? And you found maybe Fellowship Church. You're driving by. You, you had a pick of the mosque, and all the Christian church, and the Mormon, this and that's down the road. And you said, I'm going there, or whatever. But you came in here. And you heard the gospel and you were saved. Can I see your hand? You just came in here. All right. Nobody. How many of you could, could point to one person and you could say, Lord, I see it. You used them. You persuaded me to come to sit at your feet and hear your word from you. you it was like an Andrew situation. I owe my salvation to that person's faithfulness. Can I see your hand? Look around. You see all these hands? It's personal work. Well, how come we spend so much money and so much effort and so much time? You can do that survey. I've done it in a lot of churches, and it's always the same percentages like that. It's vastly, uh, 90% are through personal work, but we haven't seen this, and we've, we've allowed it to, to escape us. We somehow think the internet will work better, some blog, and it may help some, but it won't bring what Jesus wants to bring when he goes to the woman at the well and talks to her, looks in her eyes, and speaks to her personally. You see, we've left off the thing that really does work. The backbone of a church's ministry and missions outreach must be the passion and desire for personal work where we get involved in that world that the Lord's put us in. He's left us here for good works that he's planned for us. We need to look through the lens of eternity and get God's perspective on this when Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. It takes time to, to get that perspective, but it takes just a moment to answer it when it really comes. Now let's go to Luke 5, brother. Uh, I want to just put that on the screen. This is, you know, it's interesting that the first thing the Lord Jesus ever did when he called his own disciples to, to be his disciples, he taught them something while they were fishing. And we're on the way up here today. And Mary Mel reminded me that the last thing he ever did with Peter and those in that famous last chapter of John was when they were fishing. It was first and last. It was to remind them, this is the priority of my heart. And I want you to know all of this in the context of fishing. Well, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen had left out of them, and they were washing their nets. They were finished their work for the day. He entered into one of the ships. It was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would go out, thrusting out from the land. And he sat down, and he taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said, he said, he said launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought, a big catch. And Simon Peter says to him, Master, you're the preacher. We are the fishermen. We, look what's we have toiled all night. We've taken nothing. Now, we understand this situation. It's, it's a bad time for fishing. It's not easy right now. We've cleaned our nets. Everything's not ready. But nevertheless, okay, preacher, at your word, we'll let down the net. Well, We've toiled a lot, we've done a lot, we've spent a lot, we've done a lot of things, and maybe we've caught nothing compared to what God's heart has. But at his word, 
If we respond to what he says to us and begin to obey him with a focus and a zeal that's from heaven, look what happens. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. Isn't that amazing? That didn't happen that often. And they beckoned to their partners. It's James and John. They both brought their ships and they filled the ships up and the ships almost began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it. What happened? This seasoned fisherman who understood that this was something beyond. It was a blessing from God. He says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. When we begin to see what God is up to around us that we've been missing, it'll convict our hearts. And cause us to get on our face and say, Lord, let me get tuned into this. And I want to start with confessing I have a great need. I need you. I need who you are. Leave me, Lord. But he was astonished and all with him at the number of fishes that they had taken. And James and John and the partners, the sons of Zebedee's. And Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. Now that word catch is only used one other place in the New Testament. And it's used in the book of Timothy when it says in uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 26, 2 Timothy 2, 26, when uh, he's talking about the devil, and he says, God may give people, verse 25, the chance to repent, acknowledging the truth that they might recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive or caught by him at his will. See, that word catch means it's zogrio. It means to take alive. Only two times. One of them is when men are caught by the word of God and caught in the net of God and caught in personal work and come to Jesus. And the other, when the devil catches men and takes them straight to death. Takes them alive. Takes them in the midst of their career and everything else. And we have the answer that we've got to give to these people and help them to recover. See, the church has lost sight of this for centuries. We've had great preaching. We've had mass evangelism. But it's been a long time since the church has really, in any country that I can think of except for China, and maybe India, had a vision for personal evangelism and revival, and seeking those people around. Consider this, seven out of 11 of the disciples, we're told specifically, came through personal work of the Lord Jesus. We're not told about the other, but it probably was the same. And of the 35 times that Jesus shared, uh, it was through personal work. You see, this was the method of the early church, that they came through, and they, they, uh, they did things through personal work. It's just incredible that we've missed this so much. You see, the book of Acts, the Lord says at the beginning, you are my witnesses. He, after John 4, he says to his disciples going through the book, after he talked to them about fruit bearing, he said, listen, he said, abide in me and my words, my intimate words in you, so that you might be fruitful and you can pray and ask what you will and it'll be done for you of my Father which is in heaven. And here is the, herein is the Father glorified that you bear much fruit. I have chosen you that you might bear fruit, much fruit, and that it might remain and, and, and glorify the Father. My food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what he told him. And then later in John's gospel in chapter 20, uh, after the resurrection, he says, look, as I was sent in the same measure and quality, the same way to seek and to save the lost and to give his life a ransom for many and to, to rescue the perishing, as I was sent, so send I you. And of course, he says, but you need to go and preach repentance and faith in the Lord in, in me. And, but you must wait for power. You must receive from heaven the power and the heavenly endowment, the divine equipment, that you might make the word known in a way that brings results. And so you see them waiting together for his promise of the power and the that backs the purposes of God in the book of Acts. And he says, you're my witnesses. And then he ascends. And on the other side of that cloud, he sat down on the throne of the universe, expecting and waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool and for the church to be faithful. Paul says it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. You are stewards of the mysteries of God. Your testimony. The most important thing that will happen to anybody you meet any day 
is when you give them a real spirit-led testimony. That's the most important thing that will happen to them that day when you share with them the word of God. You see, uh, I've chosen and ordained you. And as the Father sent me, this is how I sent you. You ever read the last uh, two verses in the book of Mark? A lot of people never read those. But after the Lord Jesus ascended, it says in the book of Mark, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. That was in Acts 1. And he sat down at the right hand of God. So they went forth and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. They went forth and they preached everywhere. And they were co-laboring. The Lord was working with them, in them. Paul said that the Lord revealed himself to me and in me and then through me. And that's what he wants for you. You say, that may be hard for me. You don't understand how shy I am to open my mouth and let God fill it, you see. Let me say it again. Personal soul winning is the greatest privilege that God will ever give you as long as you remain on this planet. For you to take the word of God and the things you know of Jesus and share them, it's the single most spiritual thing that you will ever do on this planet. It beats all the gifts to pieces. Uh, it is a gift to share, of course, but I'm saying that to lead a person to Christ is the best and most enduring thing that you will do. I remember when I first began to see this in my own mind and heart, and, uh, and I remember praying, and the Lord God convicted me of my need to really uh, trust Him in this matter. And I had to get on my face and said, Lord, I've been reluctant. I've been captivity to what people think of me. I, I'm not sharing. I, I want to do it the way that makes me feel like that they know I love them or, or whatever. I want to let them know that I'm courteous or kind. Or, but, but I felt like the Lord said, it's bigger than that. And so I had to commit anytime, anywhere, in any situation, in any way that he wants, I'm available, Lord. And I'm not just going to be available passively. I'm going to humble myself and seek to learn to listen to your spirit so that you can show me how I'm to share the gospel and with whom. People that surround me, I've I'm in a dullness. I've walked by them every day. Uh, they, God rattles the door and I don't recognize it. I remember this was etched in my mind forever. When I came home from a trip and I'd been thinking about God's ability to make your life and mine add up together and when I came home, I, my commode was leaking upstairs at the tank level, you know, just a drip, drip, drip. So I turned the water off, and I took that little silver thing off and ran to Home Depot. And I was there, standing at Home Depot, looking at all those little silver things. And a man was there beside me. And he was looking up, and he looked over at me and said, boy, there's a lot of choices, aren't they? And I, I felt like the Lord said, talk to him. And I said, yes, there are a lot of choices, and a good thing only a few really matter. And as I began to share with him uh, about the Lord, the, the most important choice, tears came in his eyes. And I gave him a track, and I talked to him about receiving the Lord, just learn to, learning to fish, learning to fish. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. And so as he and I shared I wasn't supposed to pray with him that day and lead him to, he, he said, my wife's been wondering too. So I gave him this book and I went through it and I said, take this home. Here's another one. And you take it and sit down with your wife and you go through it. He says, I will. And tonight we're going to give our lives to Jesus. And I remember walking out and I said, wow, Lord, this, you really do have people everywhere if we're listening. Uh, and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and some, even at Home Depot. And I felt like the Lord said this to me. Al, you told me anytime, anywhere, any situation, in any way that you're willing to share. And if you'd been listening to me like I wanted you to be listening to me, I could have said, arise and go to Home Depot. I have a person I prepared for you for this moment. But you're not listening to me like that, so I had to give you a leaky commode to get your rear end over there. <laughs> you see, you learn. You learn these things, so you become to say, where is it, Lord? And you may find nothing, you may, but you're looking. It's just like, you know, fishing. When Jesus said in Mark 1, 17 and in Matthew 4, 19, he said, follow me, and I will make you into a fisher of men. 
Well, the command is to follow. And it's not talking about the salvation experience. I don't believe he's talking about his mission, his purpose. You follow me. You commit yourself to me. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. He says, if you follow me, I personally will take the responsibility to make you into a fisher of men. I will do this work. This is my work. I'll make you into a fisherman if you're following me. So Jesus in those verses makes fishing the manifestation of following. It's almost like saying in his words, he, he says, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. It's like saying, if you're not fishing, you're not following. Not like he defines following. Is the reason he left you here. We may be being blessed. We may be being growing in many ways. But the reason he left me here is to be involved as a co-laborer and as in communion with him and cooperation and co-mission. Uh, but see, before commission comes communion. It's a wonderful thing. God allows us to be involved like this. I remember uh, so many times, I remember being in the Longhorn Restaurant in Bismarck, North Dakota with about six pastors. We're sitting there, and I, and I, I was excited because we'd been over across at another place, and they, they said, well, our oven just blew up, and we can't go. Maybe you can go over here to Longhorn. I said, Lord, this is good. You're setting this up. I could tell it. The Lord was setting it. So we went to Longhorn and sat down, and as we sat there, our waitress came over, and as we began to talk and share together, I began to share the Word of God with her. She got tears in her eyes. And I asked her one of my favorite questions. I says, do you have someone that loves you that's praying for you? And she says, I do. It's my grandmother. And I said, well, when are her prayers going to be answered? <laughs> what would bless her more than to have you call her and tell her you'd given your life to Christ? What would be the greatest blessing to the Lord himself if, if you'd quit running from him and come to him? And that woman right there got tears in her eyes. And you know what she did? She dropped to her, her the waitress dropped to her knees beside the table. And we led her to Jesus right there. It was the most amazing thing I'd seen in a long, long time. And when she got through praying, she got up and she wiped the tears from her eyes. And she went down and she told all the people that she was waiting on that she had just become a Christian. When we left, the manager came over to me and said, what went on over there? He says, I'm not really sure, but I know this, that today a soul came to Jesus. And, you know, that restaurant, was, it's still there. And it didn't burn down or anything like that. But it was an amazing thing. I remember, you, you may think you're not very good at this. Listen, you got to find you a little, have a little Bible in your hand. Have it ready. This one is conformed to my image. I keep it back here. And, uh, and, and, but I, I, I can take it out. And I, I love to ask someone on the airplane or something, do you have any favorite Bible verses? And they say, so, so, and I open it to it and I say, here, read it to me. And so many times when you share, when they read it, tears come. Say, why does that move you so much? You see, you learn to ask questions that are not closed. Like, are you going to college next year? Yes. No, you say, what are you going to do after you graduate from high school? And let them talk. And you listen and you learn to enter and cross the bridge into the supernatural conversation that the Lord has for you. You learn to do that. You learn to use tracks. You know, I just talked to Steve Daniel. We printed up 10,000 of these things. They're awesome. It has in here repentance, which is unusual. Lordship, that's really unusual. And it has the exchange life in here. And it doesn't have who printed it. This is scripture verses. A place for the, when I give it to someone, I always say, well, if you have questions here, and I write my name and give a phone number and say, call me. I'll be, it's, my, it's my greatest pleasure to ever talk to you about this. I use these things. I remember uh, I, I try to always be creative. I'll go like, I remember a couple years ago, we were in Macy's and we were looking at, uh, at uh, shopping. We were in Malibu shopping and they have this, I don't know why they do this. They have this big, they have this big red high heel shoe that people waiting can sit in. You know, I said, I don't want to sit in that thing. It's a chair. But so I'm sitting there feeling awkward. She's looking at, you know, ladies things and, uh, and it's in that department. And so uh, I, I see this man over there and he's uncomfortable too. He's walking around. So there's a, there's a mannequin there that's dressed in lingerie, standing like this. A mannequin with lingerie on, you know. And so I see this guy, and I say, Lord, this is going to be good. And I went over there, and I, I got this track, or a track. I don't think I had these then. And that mannequin's there, and I plopped it in her hand like this. 
mannequin. We're holding out a gospel track. Yes, it was. It was different. They said the facts of life. Now, you can imagine, here's a mannequin, and, I, and I, he, I saw him go up there, and he looked, and he saw it like this. This is just sewing, you see. He, he saw it like this, and I saw him go like this. He kind of walked over like this, and he snatched it like this, and I said, that's good. It's just like fishing. He's nibbling at the bait, and I just went home just giggling because I said, imagine one day someone will say, Bill, how'd you come to the Lord? He said, you won't believe this, <laughs> but I was in Macy's, and a mannequin in lingerie gave me a track. I said, that's such fun. It's such fun. It's fun, but it's also dangerous. I could tell you a night about being in Fort Worth when there's a gang of boys on bicycles, we're at the water gardens, we're witnessing out there, and they come, we're in a remote place, they come roaring down the steps and, and stop right there beside us, look like trouble, and they're looking at us, and I just said, you don't know who sent us, and you don't know what I'm supposed to say, but if you'll sit down, I'll tell you. And I was praying that they would, and, instead of kill us, but, but they got off, and they, and they sat down there, and we began to preach the gospel, and these were young inner city guys that were of an ethnic group, and they, you could tell they stuck together, you know. And I remember going down and said, do you know the Lord Jesus? Are you, do you want to receive him tonight after we preach? No. This one said no. And they're, they're looking at each other. Finally, this guy's here crying. He says, yes. And he prays to receive the Lord right there. And this guy says, I do too. And it goes down. And soon there's this preacher that's over with us, and he's, he's, we take him to him, and he has an inner city church. But I'm just saying, we could have missed it. I've been walking by these things, these dull things for years and years. You may say, I could never do that. Listen, I preached a message about sort of like this years ago at a church in Indiana. And there was a woman there who had a heart burning for the honor of Jesus. And she wanted to share, but she couldn't. She just couldn't bring herself to do it. You know why? She had a cleft palate. And she talked like this. And she was embarrassed to talk to anybody about anything. But she heard that, and she heard me say, listen. She came to me and said, I just want to share. And I said, well, look, you take this track, and you take another track. And you, she said, I'm praying for my neighbor. Why don't you go home, and you call your neighbor, and you say, you know, you've been my best friend for a long time. You're a great neighbor, but I've never told you. I'm ashamed that I've never told you the thing that's the most important thing to me in the whole world. Could I come over and have tea with you? Or could you come over to my house and have tea with me? And we'll, I'll share with you what's the most important thing to me in the world. And the woman said, yes. And apparently the neighbor came over and she sat down and gave her a track. And she took a track and uh, went through it with her. And she prayed with her neighbor at the end to receive the Lord Jesus. She came back to church. And she said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And she was so fired up and so excited that she began every day sharing the gospel. And she became the head of the evangelism committee in her church. I could tell you about a great friend of mine who's a pastor, a godly man. And he was on the beach as a drunken fraternity man down in Florida. And they're out there drinking. They're just all messed up. And along comes this little guy who's been, you know, coming like this, and he's, you know, on the, on the beach, and he's by himself, and he's giving out tracts, and he gives one to all of them, and he begins to, and they begin to mock him, and curse him, and just laugh at him, make him miserable. That's out of season. And he just kept sharing the love of Christ and the gospel with him. And after a while, his shoulders sagged, and he walked away looking like he was discouraged. My friend Sam, 30 years later, would tell those who heard him. He said, I remember the day that God shot his arrow in my heart. It was on the beach. He said, I never got over it. It led me to Jesus, and I ended up at his feet. You see, this boy, he said, I cannot wait to get to heaven to tell him about this glorious thing. I can't begin to tell you the number of glorious things. I will say this. I just talked to a man yesterday and asked him, I said, can I tell your story about what happened to you? He was the president of an oil company in another part of Georgia. And I was in his church doing meetings. We talked about evangelism. We talked about holiness and we, a lot of things, prayer. And everywhere we went, the Lord gave us opportunities. I would share the gospel. And it began to convict him that he wasn't sharing the gospel like he knew he ought to be. He ought to be looking for opportunities and longing for opportunities instead of making excuses for himself. So we, I spent the night with him. The next day we went to wait for his son or something coming by car. 
But as we were there, he was confiding with me, parked in a parking lot waiting, that he, he wanted to share the gospel, but he just felt bound up. And I said to him, I said, brother, why don't you just bow your head and receive from the Lord a redemptive mindset. Receive from the Lord uh, his grace to move you in as you follow him and for him to make you into a fisher of men and for him to open your eyes to show you the opportunities you've been walking by every single day. It'll shock you. It'll astound you. you at what God puts before you, they'll walk up and say, can I get directions from you? I mean, something like that in the airport. And you say, I say, well, it depends on where you want to go. Uh, you know, some woman says, pray for me that I'll be blessed. I said, well, how long do you want to be blessed? Just a few years or do you want to be blessed for all eternity? See, it's just a, it's a hook. It's, a, it's whatever. Well, this man, this good brother of mine was sitting there and he bowed his head. We're sitting there in the parking lot and he prays, Lord, I want you to start opening doors for me to share the gospel. I want you to start showing me these and I surrender to you. I commit to you that you'll make me a fisher of men, that you'll teach me to share the gospel faithfully and regularly. And we said, in Jesus' name, amen. We looked up, and walking up to the car is a young man with a duffel bag, and he goes, on the window. <laughs> My friend was totally astounded. And he rolled down the window. He says, can you give me directions? And I said, it depends on where you want to go. And he said where he wanted to go. And I said, Jody, let's take him. This guy's name was Jody. And so this young man got in. He said, I was, I'm, I'm stranded here, and I've been praying that God would send somebody to help me. He didn't know the Lord. He was just out there desperate praying. And so we came along, and he, God sent him over and put him in the back seat of the car. We drove him, and on the way, I said, Jody, why don't you give him your testimony? And Jody gave him his testimony. See, you got to have your testimony ready to go like a sword that you can share. Nobody can dispute your testimony if it's real. And then you share and you seal it with a track. You have a little Bible conformed to your image because you have it with you all the time. And so Jody, we got to the place where we and Jody led this man to Christ. He said to me yesterday on the phone, he said, that changed my life forever. He and I have been having a contest for grandkids. He's only got 16. I've got 18. But, uh, but uh, he, he was so thankful for that day. It could happen to you here today. You say, I just don't have the courage for it. Listen, I'm afraid that things will happen. Jesus said, I send you forth. He says, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send you out laborers into the harvest. I send you forth as lambs among wolves. That doesn't sound too promising. In our day that we're living in, there's wolves on every side. There's all kinds of shysters and all kinds of deception. And God gives us the privilege of shining the light in these darker days. The darker the darkness, the greater the, even the small light will shine. He wants to do that. He can do that in your heart today if you let him. I just want to give you an example of the power of multiplication. If you take a checkerboard that has 64 squares on it, 64, you'd get your calculator later and do this today. And you put one corn of wheat on the first square of 64. And then you put double on the second square, two. In the third square, you put four. In the fourth square, you put eight. And you keep that process going through all the 64 squares. When you get up to about 25, you're going to start having some serious problems. Do you know how much wheat it would take to put the double amount on that 64th square? You ready for this? Enough to cover India eight feet deep. So you take 20 people in this room, and they decide, well, we're going to say yes to this, Lord. We're going to let you uh, show us. I've got a chart here that I made where 20, you, you, you would say to the Lord, Lord, this is scary to me, but I'm committing to this. I want you to open doors. I'm going to do my, I'm going to prepare my feet for the gospel of peace, the preparation for the gospel of peace, and I'm going to study. I'm going to learn to think like you. I'm going to learn to, I'm going to pray and I trust you to open doors. I'm going to look to you for direction and guidance, and I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to deal with hidden issues that have quenched the anointing in my life. I'm going to be usable, not just say use me. I'm going to make myself usable before you to a uh, pleasing in your sight. And uh, so if you took 20 of you that said, this next year, I'm committing myself to you, Lord. And you don't have to make big promises, but I want to believe you 
I want to believe you for this. I want to receive this, and I want to believe this, that in the next year, I'm going to be able by this date next year to point to someone and say, thank you, Lord. You used me for that, to bring them to you. You poured your spirit in and through me, and I give you all the glory, but you let me do this. I'm a co-laborer. And when that happens, you know what happens? He that sows in tears will reap in joy. And you go forth after you've prayed and after your heart's in harmony with God and you've claimed his promises and you, and you sow those seeds of the word in believing prayer. Then you go forth bearing that same precious seed, still carrying the burden and you're weeping and the people hear it and they see it and you come back rejoicing with sheaves every time. If 20 of you, just 20 or 40 or however many, would say to the Lord, in your secret chambers of your heart, Lord, I receive this. I want this. I want to become this. I want you to change me. You said you'd make me into a fisher of men. I want to be a fisher of men. I want you to teach me how to do this. If 20 of you did it and you committed yourself to him and over that year when you led them to the Lord, you helped them enough to where they could repeat the process next year. Remember India? If one became two and two became four and you did this, I'm doing this the rest of my life. Just one per year. If everybody in this church won one person to the Lord every year, your church would double in size every year. But if you did this, you know, it would take only 13 or 14 years to reach 11 billion people. 11 billion, I said, yeah. Do your math, see it. I'm not making this up. Well, why hasn't it happened? Why haven't we done it? No, the question is, am I willing to do it? And I'll encourage others if I can. Let me just finish by saying this. Fishing. I love fishing. Do you like fishing? I remember when I first went fishing, I was so excited when I caught my first fish. I didn't catch the fish. I mean, I did, but I didn't because somebody baited the hook for me. And then I may have thought I was reeling him in, you know, but then they took him off the hook. But something happened inside of me where I fell incurably in love with fishing. The joy that came from fish. My grandkids are like this. They're holding up this big fish. They hold it out through the camera so it looks bigger. But, but it's a joyous thing, fishing. And a lifelong learning process begins. Uh, you begin to learn. You, and that's what he says, to be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you, but to go to where the fish are. Who catches fish? Only the person who fishes. Only the person who puts his line in the water. He's the only one that can do it. And you can spend lots of money on gear, get a tackle box that's great. You can have bait and everything already and never put your hook in the water. But when you begin to fish, you begin to see there's more to this than I first realized, the privilege I have. I learned, what am I fishing for? Bass? Bass like this kind of bait. Uh, trout like this kind of bait. Catfish like blood and guts. So you learn how to speak to people. And then you say, is this salt water or is this fresh water? Is this running water or is it still water? Is the wind blowing? Is the sun out? You begin all these dynamics that teach you better and better how to fish. And you spend the rest of your life becoming a better fisherman. It's a lifelong learning process. What is witnessing? It's God's divine activity through my human yieldedness. This is what I want, Lord. I want you to use me as a fisher of men. I may have to use a hook sometime. I may have to use a hand line. I may have to use a spin caster or a fly fisher. I may use a harpoon or a net. You may have to use dynamite. But the point is that you're obedient and you're listening. Well, I've got so many other things I'd love to say, but I'm going to keep my promise and quit. But I hope I could come back and tell you about some of these awesome opportunities that the Lord sovereignly and supernaturally opens up when we say, yes, Lord. Would you be willing to tell him, yes, Lord, today? Begin to move me into this glorious arena and show me how to fish and make me into a fisher of men. Help me catch men. You started off talking about fishing and you ended up demonstrating fishing and you want us to walk and follow you. And if we commit to our way to you and decide that's the way we're going, going, you're going to give to us the equipment and the understanding and the encouragement we need. So what's this message supposed to do to you and to me? It's meant to encourage us. It's meant to convict us. 
It's meant to strengthen us that we can. We can be used by God. He delights in using the simple things. And it's meant to provoke us to take Dalton. Wherever you go, be available to him. Oh, it's a high adventure. It may be some tears, but it's a high adventure. And when it begins to take place, joy will come. Instead of looking for joy in more this or more that or this, joy will come as you sense God is using me. That's when real joy comes. Well, let's bow for prayer. And I want to ask you if you're willing to say to the Lord in the secret chambers of your heart, Lord, well, first, just let me say, do you think it's God's will that you lead someone to Christ next year? Well, if you believe it's His will, are you willing to receive a burden from the Lord, a, a vision for it, to open your heart to it and to open your eyes to see what's swimming right by you? If you are, in your hearts, you say to Him, Lord, I want to receive a redemptive lifestyle. I want to receive a mindset to win people to Christ. I want to be a soul winner. I want to be a fisher of men. I want to be faithful in this harvest. Well, Father, we bow before you and we thank you that your word is true. We may have toiled all night and think we can catch nothing because we know how to, we think we know so much on our own. But you say to us, launch out into the deep, let your net down for a big catch. And we say, nevertheless, at your will, at your word, though we've caught nothing, we'll obey. And I thank you for the joy that will come and the astonishment that will come to hearts as they say, yes, Lord, look in every chamber of every heart. And if we can't do this, may we answer you as to why not. May we commit to you to be available for this next period of time to let you begin this holy adventure in us, to make us into fishers of men and women and boys and girls, and to realize that we're not really doing missions if we're not willing to share with those that are closest around us every day. Give us the burden from heaven for precious souls, the most precious thing to you, more than all the world, is a soul that gives itself to you and begins to walk in your fellowship and in your presence all the day. And so we bow before you. You see what's going on in hearts. May this transaction be sealed with real fruit that remains to the glory of God. Make us into fishers of men for your glory, for your honor. And may we not just be aquarium keepers, but fishers of men. And we pray this as we sung earlier in the strong, unfailing name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.